Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to actually talk about the service that we did over the weekend, uh, kind of a little bit of a deeper dive. And hey, look, we're back in the studio, so hey. yay, we can't high five yet or so, and yeah. maybe we should even be more distant. I just but, went as far as I could. Yeah, So, uh, but we are excited to be here once again uh, with the governor lifting some of the restrictions. We felt like this was a great week to kind of jump back in the studio. Plus, I got tiger blood. And Josh, yes, Josh is very proud that he's got the tiger blood, is what yeah. he refers to it. But he's got the antibodies, and he's been through the COVID. So. It was not fun in March, but <laughs> came so, out with... We are here now, though. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so we're super glad that you're joining us. If you're watching this live, we apologize. We were just kind of getting it set up after a couple months, so it's about 12.15, a little bit later than what we usually start. If you are joining us on our podcast, if you're listening to this through Spotify or iTunes, we're not late at all. We're perfectly on time. We don't know what you're talking but about. But I want you to know my hair looks really good, and you can't see it on podcasts. <laughs> so you can see who has done home quarantine <laughs> haircuts and who hasn't had the opportunity or the means actually i borrowed yeah. clippers we i've just been putting clippers. peanut butter in my hair <laughs> yeah, it's probably true so we're super glad that you're joining us yeah. hey what we're going to do this week is we are uh kind of restarting our series that we started back in february so it's the holy spirit introduction and so this is kind of part two of that series that we were able to jump in this past weekend yeah. i'm pretty excited this weekend we also started our drive-in service so yeah, yeah. If, if you're listening to this if this is archived and this is from a while ago this is kind of during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, epidemic, everything that's going on with that. So just this past week with some of the restrictions lifted, we started a drive-in service. So we had three services this weekend online, and then we also did one on on. Uh, in person, live, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. We live will from continue, the showmobile. We will be continuing to do that, so we hope that you would consider joining us. It's at 10.30 on Sunday mornings. Uh, information you can find on our website, clcfamily.church. Um, there's a red, big red button at the top of the website. You can get more info. But, uh, yeah, so let's kind of jump into this, into the crazy season that we're kind of living in with yeah, COVID-19 yeah. and, and even everything that's going on within our, our country at this point. But do you want to just kind of give us a, a review of what we talked oh, about yeah, specifically yeah. this week yeah so um kind of the idea of the series got to teach it to you guys the introduction piece back in february uh before everything changed and yeah. uh what a crazy world it's been but um kind of the idea then and now is that there's two parts to this there's holy spirit and the introduction and then there is holy spirit the application right and so when you think about what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that's his Sermon on the Mount, where he gives them a real introduction into the gospel, right? And to, like kind of the, the understanding of that is if you believe that God is real and I am his son, then this is what your life should look like, right? Yeah. And so he walks through all these – that gives them all this information about what life should look like. You know, if someone hits you on the right side, cheek, let them hit you on the left. They ask you to carry your bag uh, one mile, carry it two. I mean, right, all the implications right. of, you know, Roman guards and all that messy culture and authoritarianism and, you know, marginalism, all those things that are happening and all the injustice of it. He kind of preaches this message to them, right? And so he gives them the, the information, right? You know, all sorts of good stuff. And then at the end of it, he says, really, really important, he says uh, – um, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So there is this at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever hears these words of mine and put them on, into practice is like the wise man who built his house on a rock, right? So in other words, he's saying, here's the information, but the information is worth nothing if, unless you hear it and put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And the wise man puts in a, uh, who built his house on the rock, when the, when the rains and the storm come, 
right? That's, that's true. Uh, when, not if, then that that house, that structure will stand. And so what we understand in terms of Jesus' teaching is he offered information, then he said go and apply it, right? And so what I love about kind of the idea of the Holy Spirit series is we had an introduction, and now the storms have come. The yeah, rains have come, right. and now, okay, what does it look like to actually apply these things? And that's why a little bit of a long sermon, way to hang in there. Definitely for the, those of you in person with your kids, way to go, wind, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's really important to kind of remind people of the introduction. Okay, what is yeah. wh- who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, and under, in order to understand that, it's really important you understand the Trinity. In order to understand the Trinity, it's really important that you understand Creator God, right? And so um, what the Scriptures say, which is so beautiful, is that uh, God existed in three distinct, you know, persons. Not, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. And right. what I love about that uh, over any other worldview, um, anything that doesn't have a Trinitarian God, which is all the other you know, deistic worldviews for the um, most part, you know. And so um, one of the things that 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 statement, that belief, and for those of us who kind of live in the world, we think there's probably a creator, but it's just some God out there, as um, Al Al Pacino says in Devil's Advocate, like an absentee landlord just out there and that kind of stuff. What's so beautiful about this God, it's different than every other one, Um, the the God, every other God that make-believe God, all starts with this big force, and then maybe eventually he becomes loving, but he creates mm. the world, and then, okay, maybe it's kind of secondary. He'll pay attention to him, right? Mm. Where What makes the Trinitarian God so unique is this is the only way by which God personifies that he is love, right? Um, uh, every other, you know, monotheistic worldview says God was kind of a little needy, needed a little bit of help. Needed, uh, uh, oh, we are not there. Let's see. Nope, we're still going. Sorry. Okay, I had good. a little bit of a notification. <laughs> so, every other monotheistic God, every other worldview basically goes, God's kind of needy. He's kind of insecure. So, he made humans to worship him. Oh, right. Okay. And so, like, that's kind of, you now maybe eventually he loves them, but in the beginning it was, he needs to be worshiped and celebrated. And so, um, those monotheistic gods create humans for their own satisfaction and their own gain, which, sounds a lot like a power play right and so what i love about the trinitarian god is god did not create us because he needed us or because he was insecure or he needed to be loved the idea of the trinitarian god the father god the son god the holy spirit different than every other worldview um is that they had infinite love from the very beginning right infinite love so infinite love they were there and in love felt love shared love and what we talk about very often is what do you do when you have an infinite amount of something well of course you give it away right and so it's so beautiful about this whole idea of creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're together in infinite love. And an act of the Father's will goes, let's share this. Yeah. Right? And so it even tells us that he says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning it says, well, then he said, let us make man in our own image. Right? Let us, that's plural, our, plural. And so they right. had this conversation, and they make an, a, a recipient of that infinite love human beings and so when we look at the trinity trinity what we have to see is we have to see kind of the roles that each part of the you know the 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 trinitarian god god the father god the son god the holy spirit play and so an act of god's will he initiates this speaks it and it happens right which you know kind of the introduction piece is well then why don't we feel that why is our world so broken if god created this perfect loving world and God is love and everything is love, then why is it filled with so much hate, right? right? Which is an evil. And so what's interesting is you got this Trinitarian God, 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and then there's a fourth player that shows up. Humans. That's yeah, us. Right. And so if an act of God's will was to create and usher in a world for us to experience and receive and be benefactors of, recipients of, and deliverers of that kind of love, then why in the world is things so off? And what we can see, and it goes back to the garden with Adam and Eve, but you can play it out every day. You can read our news. You can look in your own heart. Yeah. An act of our own will. Right, is that we go, nope, God, we like our plan better than yours. Right. And what the scriptures tells us, that's the fall. So an act of God's will brought forth love, brought forth life, all those kind of things. An act of our will goes, we like our plan better than yours. In fact, in Romans 1, it says, we lost sight of God and lost sight of his goodness and started worshiping creation rather than creator, mm. which, by the way, that's what lust is. Mm. That's what jealousy is. That's what gluttony is you want to talk it that's what pride is it's it's all those things where we worship creation ourselves other people uh materials other than god and so we lost sight of this creator god who created things infinitely loving and instead we went and looked at ourselves and started worshiping ourselves starting worshiping in our our ideologies our political theories our manufacturing you know uh competencies whatever those things are and so we literally turned our back on god and say we have it from here now, you can look at our nation, and that's happening. Either because God didn't come through in the way that we expected him to, or many of us don't even believe in God. And so we have this big chasm between the creator God and his love and the creation, his humans, who have just lost sight of all that, which is a terrible story, which is why we talk about it in the news. It's just really sad. It's disappointing to read and go, man, our world is broken. Yeah, there yeah. is so many flaws and the more we uncover the more devastated we are and right, right. luckily we have enough external things to focus on that we never have to really look inward and deal with the same muck that's in us now for many of us the last three months we've had to deal with that stuff right yeah. because we haven't had the same distractions and so we just understand the fall and if that's the end of the story it's really terrible but that's not the end of the story and now we get to see the role the second part of the trinity god the son and so if the act of the father was to create us the act of humans were to turn our backs to fall away from god then what's so beautiful is what what the scriptures tell us is that there are consequences for our behavior. In fact, in Romans, uh, it tells us that there's a wage. Like there's literally mm -hmm. like a, a price to be paid for this in terms of enslaved, doing those things, getting enslaved by our own lust, our own addictions, whatever that is. And it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Son. And so if, an, if creation was an act of God's will, the Father, if the fall was an act of human will, then what we know is redemption. The word means to be bought back to be brought back, to be bought back into family, to be brought back into relationship with your Heavenly Father. That all comes through an act of Jesus' will. Right, you know right. the story. He showed up on this planet. He lived a perfect life. He died. Even if you don't believe it, it is captured for 2,000 years. Yeah. There is no tomb that you go and lay flowers. I mean, this is <laughs> right. mesmerizing. It split history. This guy, he came and he proved that he was God and then he bought us back which is this and so of an act of creation creating it was God an act of uh, humans is to walk away from it then an act of the, Jesus is actually to seek us out and bring us back to the table yeah. to come get us and welcome us back in to buy our seat back to buy our tickets back into access for now and through all eternity with God and that's a really cute part and many of us have a hard time believing it because we're going if that's the case then why is our world still so broken, right? Mm -hmm. No, people believe that. Some of us, we pray the prayers, we ask God in and all that kind of stuff, and we're still like, but the world just seems so messy, and it just seemed like Jesus offered too much hope and too much promise. And not only did that, he actually offered us some language to put on what it is that we desire, and he actually told us when we talk to God the Father, when we pray, he says that we should pray that, the, that his kingdom, 
would come. Like that, the, that on earth as it is in, I mean, on heaven in heaven as it is on earth. Meaning mm-hmm. that there, there's supposed to be this beauty of this reconnection, this rekindling, this deep, satisfying love between us and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that should take place now, not when you be, get beamed up into heaven. Like that should be happening now. And we look at our world and go, why is that not happening? And aha. And it's because we've lost sight of this third part of the Trinity, right? Yeah, That's right. the introduction. If God the Father created us, right, and we messed it up, and God the Son bought us back, then the third part, which we just kind of forget about, is that the role by which this world is supposed to be all that God intended it to be. Actually, Jesus tells his first century disciples, pause, yeah. wait, and you're going to get my spirit, and then you'll be witnesses of this grand mm-hmm. revival and this grand renewal. And I think... That that grand revival and grand renewal is still supposed to happen, and it's supposed to happen in our communities. Yeah. But it can't happen by our own abilities. It has to happen by this work of the Spirit. And many of us are freaked out by that, confused by it, and don't understand it, which is why we're trying to work through it. Yeah. So that's the idea. We, when we understand what restoration is supposed to look like, it's supposed to happen to the Spirit. Now, what's really beautiful, and I'm getting to talk about it Sunday, is it's actually a fifth part of this story that we're talking about. It's called consummation. Yeah, right. And so an act of God created all this, right? God the Father. Infinite love created it. Um, act of God, this uh, act of humans fall, fell, walked away from it. An act of God, the Son, buying us back. An act of the Holy Spirit empowering His people to go and do this. Now there will be one day when all this will be perfect, mm-hmm. when all of our wills will be submitted together. Yeah. So if this fifth part that we see in the scriptures in Revelation says there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, there's this big wedding feast, and we call that consummation. We understand that in terms of a wedding, where there's this perfect oneness, and that's yeah. where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and human beings surrender right. their yeah. will and act of our will back towards God the Father, where all things and God the Son and God the Spirit will we will be one and connected with them not that we'll become god but we'll be children of god and be able to surrender ourselves to that gleefully when everything will be made perfect and so that will happen one day but that's not today but it doesn't mean that god doesn't want to do something in his world right now particularly in the brokenness and that's what he uses the spirit for so that was information so there's first couple sermons back in february to understand the role and which leads us to this week which is acts chapter three and four where finally we see the application where we see the spirit at work in people this is the first miracle that happens um through humans in this not not jesus but through jesus's spirit the holy spirit comes in and empowers us and what we see is we see peter and John show up with this marginalized, broken man. They didn't call him a victim. Right. They didn't tell him that, you know, uh, if it's to be, it's up to you. They didn't tell him a man who doesn't work, doesn't eat, none of those kind of things. Right? They looked at him and said, we can't offer you what you're looking for yeah. because we don't have it. Right. Yeah. And so he wants money. He's just a beggar. But instead, they give him something much more beautiful. Yeah. And he says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And so you see the move of the Spirit is to work through injustices. The move of the Spirit is to give us a picture of what heaven is going to look like one day, and that day can start now. Yeah. So it is give it, so it's pointing upward at who God is. It's pointing inward at what He wants for us. It's pointing outward at the mission He wants us to do, right? And so it's a, it's a beautiful part of this, and you see that the Holy Spirit's job is actually to resolve the brokenness in our world through His people. Yeah. And so there's kind of a big idea in all this. It's like, hey, could, can we all stop trying to fix everything? And just yeah. for a second, beg the Lord to come in and give us his spirit so that his church can actually actively participate in making our community and our nation and our yeah. world look like heaven. That's yeah. our job right now. But it's not our job on our own. Our job is to receive the spirit 
and work through how do we do that and then go and participate in the coming kingdom. So, yeah, I want to jump yeah, into Acts 3 and 4, but yeah. I think before you even get to that, like if you've been here for the last three years or so, the creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that's not new, right? No, like no, that's no, something it's... that you've shared numerous times. Um, I think we've even got comments like, man, we get it, move on. Like, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> like, and, and so there was kind of a two-part of that. Yeah. One, I think in this series, it's pretty interesting how you're assigning and you're showing because creation, fall, re- redemption, restoration, while that may feel familiar if you've been here for a while, yeah. you're actually assigning, okay, the creation, that was an act of the Father, and then yeah. restoration was, or redemption was an act of the Son, fall was an act of yeah. us, and then restoration is an act of the Holy Spirit. And I would say that this series is really focusing on that redemption part. And the I re- did, restoration piece. Yeah, the yeah. restoration yeah. piece. And I feel like you already answered one of my questions, which was, the consummation part and we don't always get to that because that's more of what jesus will do yeah we'll experience that one day yeah. as he comes and it's complete unity but that was an interesting side of that and as as we focus on that restoration piece um i feel obligated to those that are listening you had said something and and the visuals you used are, are i i appreciate great visuals because i'm a visual yeah. learner so if you were watching online this past weekend you saw some of those you know creation and then it has yeah the i didn't do it outside yeah if you the drive-in yeah. it was really windy in fact elsa and anna and olaf. sven and olaf and uh oh what's the other one Kristoff. Kristoff. which has I, hair like this yeah <laughs> they they had a hard time but we'll get to that <laughs> but uh you used an illustration about running out of gas and i feel obligated to those that are listening is it actually true that either 12 to 13 dozen times you have run out of gas on the road yeah so <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel obligated to dive yeah. into this so, and just listen, go, why? Our church um, in Georgia was about seven miles from our house, and I drove a Prius. <laughs> okay. I have, so you got I've, gas I've, once no, no, a listen, month? Uh, I've literally run out of gas in a Prius that gets 45 <laughs> miles to the gallon. So, I mean, I, I'm just a big doofus. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. So, in Julie's Acadia, uh, when we moved out to Montana – on the way to Montana, I ran out of gas twice and locked my keys in the car once. In the same trip? Yeah, one trip. So, uh, I, I, I mean, know, that's 26 hours worth of driving, so there's a lot that can happen there. I just, yeah, so, but I have, man, I don't yeah. want to make this you comparison. You got a critical spirit. I, I get it. I get it. I, get it. I, I do have critical a critical spirit because that has never happened to me. You never ran out of gas? I've never oh run out gosh. of gas. Now, part of that is that my dad was a mechanic. And his argument was that to do that would be bad for the fuel pump. So whenever it got the quarter, t- anyway, whatever. Just fuel injection. That, yeah, just it's fuel injection. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's anyway. like I have a car with a carburetor. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's but. different. So I did feel obligated. So I know that most of you were asking yourself that question because I heard the service twice as we were recording it here. I was running slides. And then on Sunday, and it wasn't until the second time I heard it that I was like, wait, he yeah. said 12 or 13 dozen yeah, times, yeah. not I mean, just. It definitely is greater than two dozen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, 12. Uh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. Huh? No, 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 no. So that's because I'm bad at math. I, not 12 or 13 dozen. Okay. Uh, I, I was thinking three or four dozen. So like okay. somewhere okay. between 35 and 40 times. 35 sorry about and 40 that. times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Cause I just, yeah, I yeah. just heard 12 or 13 dozen. I was like, wow, yeah, that is right. really yeah. impressive. No, I haven't ran out of gas 130 side, times, but, but I, I'm sorry. Thanks for asking that in the four in the 30 to 40. Okay. Range. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's more <laughs> See, acceptable. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, but anyway, you use that story to just kind of 
Uh, can you reiterate, maybe not that story, because you can watch and listen to that yeah. online, but what was the, the purpose of that story? And I thought that this fit in so well. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, we all know, it doesn't matter how nice the car is, if it's not fuel, it doesn't have any fuel in it, it's not going to go anywhere, right? <laughs> right I mean, right. it's going to rot. It's going to rust. And just kind of look at the landscape of our nation right now, particularly the church, which has been brought to its knees, guys. Like, I mean... Uh, for many people, uh, church was a once-a-week show, yeah. and that got removed. And so for many people, you I mean, like you can drive through major cities. You can – not that a lot of people were using them, but these big, beautiful facilities, millions of dollars worth. I mean, we can look at yeah. ours. That's, you know, at this point probably with all the property, a $10 million facility, right? And you can look at that, and all of a sudden you look at it, and you go, what do we do with it right yeah, now? Right. You know, like – just even even preaching, it's hard to cut on the air because it's like we're gonna cool this whole room off for me, you know. Yeah. Like it, so it's just wrestling through all that stuff. And so the reality is, it it's a lot like, particularly in our nation, but I'd just say the church and Western culture. Um, this isn't we're victims; we should be ashamed. None of those things, right? Not like not that not that part, but just this pause for a second, look at it and go, we have some really fancy cars yeah. with very little fuel. Yeah, and so. Kind of what I thought, what I joked about in the in the story was just how providential God was, and that I ran out of gas about two miles, mile and a half, two miles from a gas station. But it's in Florida, which there should be no hills in Florida, right? Maybe it's in South Georgia. Maybe it's in, I have no idea where. Yes, I think it was in Florida. Um, they, all of them, Georgia. They are, they're all flat at, at point. that point. I'm, yeah, yeah. All the stories yeah. and the times. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's a little bit downhill, which is nice in Florida. And you know, the exit ramp. You know, they build it up to go over yeah. like over, overpasses. And so, so about two miles, I'm just coasting, right? I'm coasting. Not, and I, it is not my power anymore. It's all something, you know. And so right. I'm coasting down. I mean, and cars are neutral. I, you know, I don't have all all the cars faculties. I don't have power brakes. I don't have power steering. I don't have air conditioning. Literally, the car is off and in neutral, right? So I am riding this big piece of metal. That's it. Doesn't make any sense, right? And so, but and and, and the beauty of it is that I, I made it all the way to the exit ramp, all the way down the exit ramp, all the way around the corner to bend back to the right to come down another hill, which is where the gas station was, and coast. And come to a complete stop with no brakes or anything, right at that you know the the closest gas thing and to the to the entrance. And I mean, I'm not saying I mean God isn't everything. It's very kind to him, but I mean, it's not like God's proud of me for being a fool when it comes to gas. But it just <laughs> felt like in the middle of trying to get to Georgia and yeah. Florida in a stressful time. Yeah, running out of gas actually would have been pretty overwhelming for yeah, our family right. our car lost air conditioning so we didn't have any air conditioning oh, really? so that was one of the benefits it wasn't like hey it's the air stopped blowing yeah the yeah, windows yeah. are already down you know <laughs> so um but it just maybe you should have rolled them up for more yeah, i know i was thinking oh gosh we need to stream yeah, but then i had to use power the car. but anyway so um so just this idea of just coasting right to the spot that we need to get exactly yeah. what we need and while i think our churches have been brought to their knees right i think yeah. we're going feel like we're right in the spot prime to just be i mean we're as empty as we can be yeah right i mean i i think that my car is supposed to hold 21 gallons of gas and i filled it up with 22 i don't even know where that <laughs> extra gallon went i'm like is it? maybe they tell you 21 just because yeah. they, there's yeah. that one guy <laughs> yeah and so it's just that just like it just i mean it, it didn't feel right i mean I, I literally was on the phone with my sister and finally i'm going hey Joni, i just ran out of gas and she's like i can't believe you and julie's looking at me and i'm like yeah and just have um, but I didn't tell anybody until I, I got there. But it just like I just feel like that's the thing yeah. of going, okay, 
Is it possible? We have coasted as far as we could coast as yeah. a church. Yeah. We've used all of our own momentum. We've done everything we can, and finally we're brought to a place that maybe, maybe we just have to confess that our our facilities aren't fueled. Yeah. Right. And maybe then and only then can we go. We are primed to be filled with the move of God and the move of His Spirit. spirit that could not be explained in any other way, hmm. which is interesting because we want to explain it. We want to manufacture yeah, it. Like right, we, right. we don't mean for us to pride ourselves on best practices and right. uh, being efficient and good stewards and having good plans, but we fall into that trap. Yeah, you know, we absolutely. fall into a lot. And not that God doesn't use all those things, but it just seems like, go back to the book of Judges, it just seems like God is going to stack the deck against him as far as possible and against us yeah. so that it becomes absolutely evident that it would have to be a move of God. So you look at this COVID, you look at what's going on in the church, you look at what's going on in our nation and its economy and jobs, yeah. and now you look at the racial divide. It's like yeah. if something miraculous doesn't happen, yeah. this is the beginning of the end yeah, in so many right. ways is what people are saying. And so it would make sense that maybe this is exactly the kind of environment God would allow us to get as far as we could on our own and just pause and go, yeah. we need you to fill us. I, th I just thought yeah. that was a really good illustration yeah. because I, I can relate with that of going, man, I just, even the fact that I'm trying to do it in my own power, yeah. but it's like, man, that's, that's what the Holy spirit is. One of its primary things is that it empowers the believer. Yeah. So when we think about what the Holy spirit does in terms of restoration, uh, it's the, it's a couple things. Uh, it's called a comforter. Yeah. Right. So we're to say it, um, he, yeah, he, some, some would argue that some of the language might have a feminine kind of noun to she, I mean, I'm different there in terms of like the gender specifics, but does feel inappropriate. It feels weird to call it it, right? Yeah, right. Um, so God, the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Um, it, it provides comfort, which is what restoration does. It think about in the garden of Eden before it all goes bad, everything felt right and good. Right. So it provides comfort. It's an advocate, meaning it speaks to God on behalf of us and from God on speaks to God on behalf of us and to us on behalf of God. Right. right? So right. you got that piece, which that's what was happening in the garden when everything yeah. was right. And so it's those things. And then it also empowers us in, in Christ's likeness. Yeah. With his power and his um ability to have faith that moves mouth. Yeah. And so that's actually the role that the Holy Spirit plays in all those things, which is what heaven is supposed to look like on this earth in our lives. Like the Spirit should dwell us and yeah. dwell in us. And to be honest with you, that just feels weird to talk about because it's a little bit ethereal. It's kind of hard to yeah. grasp, and it's you know it's kind of hard to grasp. So it's like I can't define it, but I'll you can see it. You'll recognize it when you see it, yeah, right? I right, think that was right. one of the things that someone said a long time ago on trying to define pornography and going, well, I can't define it, but I'll tell you, if you see it, you know that it's it. It's kind of the same thing of, probably a bad analogy, but uh, like it's hard to it's hard to put into words. Yeah. And yet, like when you see it, you're going, that's a spirit of the living God. Right, right. And candidly, affluent, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant churches have not been a place where you go, the spirit is really moving there, yeah, right? Right. Because right. we like our academia and we like our control. And right, so right. trying to get back to that place and identify what are the steps to do that, which that was a really important part of the message to me was you see Peter first call him to a place of repentance, right? Yeah. Repent. Yeah. Like, like, can we admit we've gotten it wrong? Can we admit that our church has gotten it wrong? Can Josh, can you admit that you've gone about this wrong, right? right. Can I right. own that and go, God, I've tried to do your role. Yeah. 
Like, like sometimes I, like in my foolishness, I'd think, ah, oh, just a good sermon, some good songs. Not the spirit of the living God, just right. some good preaching. Right? Preaching, foolishness of preaching, people saved. Well, the reason for that is not because of the preacher. Right. It's actually the work of the spirit who uses the foolishness, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, and his word. And so first step is really repent. And so that's what we see with Peter kind of calling out people to repent right just yeah. this he when he when he heals this guy the people observing are there he's literally going you have to repent you're the one who put jesus in the grave right <laughs> like that's us the the role we play in the story of god is that of his arch enemy right right that's our role like we are the adversary until all of a sudden we turn and go can't we just be on your team yeah like and that's hard for us to get, and so he first says, "You were the adversary. You were the one against. You were not an ally." Yeah. And yet, God in His graciousness, He used it anyway. Yeah. Right. And so, so I want us to be careful not to, you know, be revisionist in terms of our history and woe was us and spend all this time and all that kind of thing because it's like, like we all came to faith in the church system we're in. Yeah. Like I am a product, and I know the Lord because of Sunday school. Right. And right. old hymns. And liturgical readings, like there's nothing wrong with any of that right. stuff. No, that's not what saved me. But God uses all, all practices things, yeah. for his, his glory, and so I think that's where we got to be careful in this, not to beat our chest and mourn forever, but just acknowledge that we have sometimes tried to take God's role in yeah. how we bring about restoration. Yeah, so. I think that's true. Uh, so, kind of jumping into Acts three and four, uh, the first thing that you kind of talk about is that there's this lame man. Since birth, about 40 years, I think is what it you tells said. you he's later, about yeah. 40 years old. Um, and you say he's a marginalized, broken person. I, I didn't know if, and uh, we didn't talk before this. This is really yeah. the first time we're having a conversation. Did you want to speak much to that about where we are within a nation right now um, and how that impacts kind of this story that we're reading and how, where we are? And if, I mean, there's just a lot going on within our nation now. I know that last Tuesday, so a week ago today, we kind of put out a video in response to kind of what's happening within our nation. So I don't know how much time you want to spend on this because we've already. Yeah, spent yeah. Let me, let me spend time, a little but... time. Thanks for asking. Um, uh, gosh, I hate to be a divisionist, but there there seems to be multiple camps here. Yeah. And uh, it gets complicated. Yeah. There there is a a camp of deep pain, right? Yeah, Particularly right. in the black community, people of color, who feel very marginalized. Yeah. And they're not making it up. Yeah. Right. So you got that piece. Then there's a camp that goes, but it's not that bad. And the media is uh, trying to divide and trying to share the worst stories that create the most amount of animosity right. between folks. And you know what? I believe uh, that to be a little bit accurate as well. So you got a bunch of people who are genuine pain, absolutely ethical. There are people who like the division that's in our country. Yeah. By the way, uh, the chief of that is Satan, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the antithesis of the gospel mm-hmm. uh division segregation uh, supremacy right yeah, and right. so when those stories are highlighted he is proud right that's yeah. that's the author of lies right right he's the ruler of this and there is that out there there is a demonic spirit and uh, satan is using real people to create real, real havoc included mm-hmm. racist including racists right yeah. Absolute evil. So um, you got that piece. And so there are people going, how dare? That's not true. I, and you can fact find and find out that certain things aren't true. And they're, they're kind of misrepresented, which creates more vitriol. So you got, you got that camp as well. And 
Uh, then there's another camp uh, that kind of goes, we just want to, we want to follow the data. We want to explain this. Let's break down the stats and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the thing about stats and statisticians is that you can present just about any picture. So depending on what you read, you feel, you know, either validated or invalidated. So you got that whole piece. And there is some, there's some truth in looking at the, the real data. But the real data is not the thing that's going to help people in deep pain right. go, Right, right. Oh, you're right. You convinced me, right? <laughs> right like, right. so, I mean, the person I love the most, my wife, I, I, no matter, not that I'm smart and have all the right data, but I'll promise you, there's never been a time that I have presented such a brilliant argument that she's gone, you know what? You're right. Yeah, this pain that I feel is Okay, you don't understand. Let's go back to point F, right? <laughs> Let me get back on the whiteboard, right? Like, we know that cognitively. Yeah. And yet, um, what we think, especially if we're emotionally detached from it, is, well, that what you feel isn't true for me or what I experience or what I know, right? And now you got this complicated – and then there's kind of the fourth camp, which is where a lot of us fall. Many uh, – say us. I'm not putting myself in any of them, but like just many people fall in that they don't really know what to do. They're not racist, and uh, they're learning that not saying anything might actually seem like it's enabling bad behavior. So right, right. what do I say? When do I say it? How do I say it? Who do I line with? Are there people I can't, shouldn't talk to anymore? Should I not be friends with them on Facebook or social media? Or should I still be their friend if I disagree with them? Should I s- correct them? Like, yeah. there's just this. What in the world do we do in all these <laughs> different categories? And I j- just would point out, 2,000 years ago, there were a lot of opinions about that guy laying there. Yeah, right. Like there are people who would not make eye contact with right, him. Right. There were people who saw him as less than a human being. There were people who had deep compassion for him, but had given him all the money already, and he was still there. Right, right. right? There are other people that thought maybe he would use that money to, uh, I don't know, leverage a coping mechanism, yeah. wine, you know, alcohol of some sort. So they're not enabling that sin. And so you had all these different things, right? And so you had all those opinions there, just like we have here, in terms of just the brokenness of yeah. our world. And there are there's just so many different sides to this. And there are sides we got to call out evil, racism, all the things we got to call out. But my goal in this, and Andy Stanley says it this way, and I think this is really important. He says, at some point when you talk, you have to decide whether or not you want to make a point or you want to make a difference. Mm. And a lot of times, making a point, that cute zinger, yeah. that one-liner, that correction on all sides, by the way, right? Yeah. Um, that point is actually the biggest obstacle you have to making a difference. Mm. And so what I feel like we got to do is look at the story with deep empathy. Yeah. So I didn't want us to see this lame man as he's a sinner god punished him for it yeah uh that's silly and we don't know and which seems was, like would have been one of the stances that jews that's right taking absolutely well, lame because you've yeah. sinned and done wrong to god i didn't want him to see him as a victim or right. lazy like those are all judgments we make right. about an individual we don't know and a lot of people probably made it right yeah. i also didn't want to see him as someone we couldn't make eye contact with yeah i also didn't want to see him as someone that we walked by and felt shame for and felt like we were helpless to do anything, right? Which is kind of all the experiences we see right now in our world. Uh, what I wanted to see him as someone, and I love this, that Peter actually says, hey, will you look at me? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have time to preach about this. Um, but I was reading an article last night about um, a protest in Whitefish, Montana. And so if you don't know much about Montana, it's, it's pretty white bread. 
Okay. There's a lot of racism there, uh, but it's not black white racism. It's Native American white. Okay. So it's pretty hefty, and so there's been a good bit of protest in March. Whitefish is a little small town, n- northwest past Glacier National Park, beautiful area, but small town. There are a lot of natives there, and some African Americans and natives, and you know Caucasians were all kind of protesting. And there's this picture of this guy who is so angry, like you could see him just like yelling at this girl. This biracial girl and she's just staring back at him looking him right in the eyes mm-hmm. not trembling that stuff and somebody reached out to her and said why why did you look at him that way like why did you stare at him how could you do that and she said my dad who died 16 years ago an african-american man said one thing i want you always to know is that when people scream at you or they tell you something or say anything negative to you your job is to look them directly in the eyes mm-hmm. because you are a human being with dignity mm-hmm. and that should not be taken away from you mm-hmm. And so what I love about this moment for Peter and John is they go, no, yeah. no, no, look at me. You are a human right. being with dignity. Yeah. That doesn't I mean doesn't mean we don't see the color. That doesn't mean we don't see race because we celebrate diversity, right? right like right. that's the beauty of who God is. He made so much beauty in so many different ways. And so there's something about that mosaic that's really, really beautiful. There's something about unity through diversity that yeah. is how we come to, you know, maturity, right? There's something about all that stuff. But in that moment when I what was really important to me is going, this is a guy who was in pain and hurt. And regardless of what led him to there, that doesn't matter in this moment because he is a broken individual in pain and hurt. Yeah. And the God of the universe loves him immensely. Yeah. So much that he arranged this appointment. Yeah. Right? So it feels like we need to explain the whole backstory of where people get so that we can feel better about our judgment and go, can't we just see them? The black community yeah. as black individuals made in the image of God. Yeah. You know, can't we see the story of everybody we interact with as individuals made in the image of God, that God sees so much redemptive potential in, right? right? right. And so you got Peter, a person of color, interacting with someone else who is a beggar in this deal, and he pauses in that moment, and there is no hope for this guy. Literally, someone drops him off, and they're not doing it to help this guy out. They don't want to babysit him all day, right? right? So they drop him off in the same place So because they can't provide for him, so he just sits there all day long. I think it's important that we see this for what it is, which is a real human made in the image of God that God had a a divine appointment for. And I would argue he wants that same kind of divine moment for all of us to experience his grace and love and and mercy. That's good. Sorry for taking up so much time as we're going through it. I just felt like it was important as we're recapping. Are you apologizing for how long I talked? No, I feel like I I wanted to park on the beginning parts of this just to kind of spend time, especially with the marginalized and broken. Like, I think that there's real connections to where we're at as a society. Um, and, and so then just kind of jumping into this, um, one of the things in verse six, so blind beggar kind of asks Peter and John for, for money. They say they don't have any, but what they do have that they'll give that in the name of Jesus Christ to stand up and walk. And one of the things that you made a point of, you said, we are not responsible to give what we don't have. We're responsible to give what we have. And so I guess in that is, I guess the question that I have, and maybe it's even leading because I feel like I've answered my own question, but would love to hear your response. So in that, what is our responsibility? If we aren't responsible to give what we don't have, but are responsible to give out of what we do have, what is our responsibility in that? Yeah. uh, You know, the people who creep me out the most and yet inspire me the most are those who will stop in a moment and pray. Hmm. Just pray. Oh, let me pray for you. Yeah. I don't, It makes me so uncomfortable at times because I just there's just so much religiosity and yet there's something so sincere in that and so kind of my prayer is and 
maybe has been is that we would be people so attuned to the spirit mm. yeah that we wouldn't be reaching into our pockets without pausing and asking God to speak to our hearts mm. that's good right and so there's there's two pieces that you'll get we'll get to it a little bit later I think in this it's what what the the, the Roman and Jew, the Jewish official saw is that these are men who had been with Jesus yeah so I think where a lot of us feel inept in this, is honestly because we haven't really spent time to be with Jesus. Yeah. So it's easy. Like what we're looking for here is me to answer a question that I cannot answer because I can't spend your time with you for Jesus. Right. Like even the sermon, glad you're coming, but that is, be honest with you, that's you focusing on a human who's speaking right. to you right. about Jesus, not like sitting with Jesus. And that sounds so uncomfortable and so weird. And yet we look at our culture and go, do we like where we are? Right? Do we even like our spirituality? Like somehow we have to learn to be with Jesus. And so yeah. um, to, it's a really long, long non-answer with one specific <laughs> you know, action step. It's I, I do want to take off the pressure to offer something you don't have. Yeah. I'm not looking for you to go into debt. Right. right? right. Not looking for you to offer false hope. Not you know, any of those kind of things. I think what you should offer is what you've been given by Jesus, yeah. right? And so Peter and John had some confidence there. And so there's a lot I could say through about miracles. Like you can look through the scriptures and miracles seem to kind of have a, a downward trend throughout the book of Acts. Like there are times that Paul's really sick and not healed. He, there's times that he has to leave people back, like his brothers, mm -hmm. because they're not well. Yeah. And you're going, this God who heals all people, he didn't heal them. Like you see yeah, this right. downward trend. And so you got to understand that the idea of a miracle is not for Jesus to show us power or show off his power. And, you know, Peter and John is to give us a picture of the coming kingdom. Mm. Right. And so sometimes God decides to reveal that and all of its glory in that moment. Sometimes he waits till we are in his glory to do that. Right. So you got all those things. But so I would just say our job is not to offer just what people are begging for if we don't have it. Right. Um, our job in all that is to offer what we do have and what we should have is Jesus. Right. Mm. And so um, the application there is wonder what it'd be like when someone asked you for something. Like maybe they ask you for five bucks and you're walking down the street. What would it be like to give it to them? And then ask if you can pray. Yeah. Right? Uh, just pause for a second and see someone in pain and go, hey, is there anything specific I can pray for you about right now? Yeah. And they can refuse it. That's yeah. okay. Like you're not, don't demand it. But I think you'd be surprised at how many people would welcome the God of the universe and intervene in their broken life. Like uh, most of the interactions I have with non-believers um, – like when I interact, when I go to the 7-Eleven or whatever else, it's usually in a place of deep pain where they don't have a solution to their problem. But they'll look at me and go, hey, will you say a prayer for? Yeah. You know, I go, I go, yeah, sure, I will. Instead of going, let's do that. Yeah. Right. And right. so there's just something about leaning into the moment going, yeah, let's do that. Because when, when your back's against the wall, like I told you, like when my dad was sick, it's going, I don't know where else to turn. So I'm going to turn yeah. to the one place that I think has the power to do something, the God of the universe. Right. And so be surprised how many people would be open and willing to do that. And it seems like the perfect moment for God to reveal his power and glory. So mm. I just would pause to go, what would it look like to invite Jesus into whatever that scenario is? But that's uncomfortable. So, and then yeah. I guess I'm questioning too, as a practical though, should I be responsible for knowing what it is that God has given me? So if I've, if I've got time or as a resource and I've, if maybe it's financial means, Right now, it seems difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, almost most of America, it seems like, is out of a job. But, like, it, should I have inventory? Like, I guess that's a practical question. Yeah, that's a good Should I be able to take inventory of what God has given me so that I can 
be mindful in a moment. Yeah, man, that's a really good thought. I like it a whole bunch because it says what I don't have, I can't give you, but what I do have, I'll give you. Right. And so, um, they literally had nothing else. (laughs) You know, it's like they had nothing (laughs) else. They had to close on their back. That's it. You know, like complicated world for them. And so we're talking about today as a staff, just kind of that reminder of, the parable of the talents. Yeah. If God gives us something, it's because he wants us to use it for his kingdom. If we right. don't use it for his kingdom, he withdraws that. And right. so it would make sense that you would do some kind of inventory that we'd go, what has God given us? Right. What has God given us? And everything he's given us, our cars, our house, our, our jobs, if you have one right now. Right. All that in some way is to steward well for God's kingdom. Right. So there's a pressure there. And you go, well, I don't know exactly how he wants me to use it all the more reason to spend time with him yeah. and learn more about him so that's you right. can know his heart and all yeah. those things. Yeah. So I think that's good. So uh, kind of continuing on, like one of, one of the first responses. So as, as this lame man is healed, um, it, this was, I feel like it was, it was a point that you made, but yeah. didn't really spend a much, much time on it. I'm not sure if you have much that you want to say on it, mm-hmm. but it, the first response that this beggar has is to praise the Lord, right? He's jumping and he's praising God. He's now entering into the temple courts. And then yeah, I, I just made good. me think to myself, like, what should be my first response when God moves in someone else's life, but yeah. then also in my life? Should it be the same as this blind beggar of rejoicing and celebrating? Or I guess even for Peter and John as they're there, what what should their first response be? And it's pretty incredible as we see the rest of the story. But yeah. just what should our yeah, response be? So that's really um, leads to a really good point that I really wrestle with. And I, I didn't make it in the sermon because it's not time, but I struggle with this. Uh, particularly as a pastor, because I get put on a pedestal, right? Yeah. And so pedestals are just dangerous because all you do is fall off of them, right? And <laughs> right. so got that piece of disappointing people. But um, one of the other things I've just noticed in the interactions I've had with people through the last couple of months is a lot of them have shared to how much sermons have meant and how much I've meant to them and like that kind of stuff. And in many ways, I receive that as, oh, it feels so nice to be used by God, right? Yeah. But what's different about this moment is he doesn't stand up and hug Peter or John. Yeah, he right. says, way to go, guys. High fives. Yeah, you guys are the best. His, yeah, I love you. Hey, guys, come check out these guys. You know, like, yeah, there's yeah. none of that. Like, they, they didn't, he didn't, like, start liking their Facebook page, right? Yeah. Like, his initial gut reaction is to praise Jesus. And so I am suspicious. If I've not done a great job mm. of making sure the one who deserves the credit gets the credit, mm. right? And I know it's just human nature to... Yeah. Assign whatever's close. Like people will talk about like feeling an experience of Jesus in this place in our building, and it's like, well, that's not because like people give us credit for it. Like, oh, y'all are so friendly and like that stuff. Yeah, thank, thanks, but it's actually Jesus. And yeah, so, right. I think there's a there's a responsibility in us as we engage in, you know, caring for people who are hurt, that we lean in and give Jesus the credit up front, yeah. right? So like somehow their response isn't Josh is a really great guy, while Ben was awesome, which we get and we like and it feels good, yeah. but more of their initial response is, but praise be to Jesus. Yeah, right. And probably is a good time for us to check our own hearts on that. I'm yeah, going, right. if you don't get any of the credit, like, and it all goes to Jesus, are you okay with that? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that seems to be the right motivation for why God would respond. Why yeah. in the world would he do some kind of supernatural intervention just for people to think that I'm extra special? Right, right. right? So there's something about checking our motives in that of going... Yes, we should just praise Jesus for what he's done in our life. So we got to we gotta do all that ahead of time. We got to yeah. be with Jesus so that 
we want him to get all the glory. So in those moments, we are quick to point to the, yeah. the hero of the story. And the hero of the story is never us. Yeah, right. And so I think that's the important part of what you see in this that, that that's unusual is nobody celebrated Peter and John. In fact. Yeah. yeah, and Peter and John rebuke the crowd, right? Yeah, like, why are you looking at us? We're not. Yeah, we're not, we're, it's we're, just looking at yeah, us. Yeah, like, like we have some godliness. No, 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 yeah. not us. Verse 12. The only thing that happens to Peter and John is they have to offer a rebuke, and then they get thrown in jail. <laughs> yeah. So there is no real benefit for them in yeah, healing them, this guy. That was a terrible message, it's right? Terrible. Like, yeah, that's just prison. Which is the story of the gospel in the book of Acts. Is they're going, we don't really care about our own needs and our own desires. What we care about is the God of the universe's fame, yeah. right? And so right. we got some work to do there. Yeah. I think is that the big part of that is uh, sometimes serving the Lord and caring for others. He gets the credit for the good, and yet the those who hate it are coming after us. Yeah. And we get to experience what Jesus experienced, which helps us become more like him. And yet not, we, none of us go, boy, I want some suffering. Yeah. Right. Dear God, give me some suffering today. Right. Yeah. Right. And yet God uses it. He is using it right now. Yeah. And so I think all of that doesn't come from this grit and will of going, I got to do it, I got to do it. I honestly think the only way by which that happens is continual time mm. sitting with Jesus, yeah. learning about Jesus, knowing that's his good. heart and that is the hard work that i don't think we've done yet yeah i think that's good yeah. i think that's accurate i feel like in this the, the the ouch moment is when uh peter says to the crowd like you killed the author of life it's like oh wow that's pretty he, pretty wait, harsh like oh no he didn't yes. it's pretty yeah. intense when he says that so uh i'm just kind of working through my notes here yeah. so step one you said repent yeah uh change the way that you think and then um I'm just looking at the time, maybe I'll just... Yeah, you want me to run through those real quick? Yeah. yeah. So, so step, step one's repent. That just means, let's just acknowledge that the way we've thought about this world and our own lives is yeah. wrong. That's what it literally means. There is behavioral change as a result. People talk about doing the 180, but that is not where it starts. You don't just go, turn around, right? Yeah, it's right. acknowledging that the way you're going is the wrong way. It's right. That is the first point in getting the right direction. It's first acknowledging you've gone the wrong direction and acknowledging that you're the captain of your own car that was going the wrong direction right right no one else made you go the wrong direction maybe you maybe there's some other stuff but deep down there's something in us that chose the wrong direction we have to acknowledge that we've led our church the wrong direction or we've led our families the wrong direction or we've led ourselves the wrong direction so we repent and then the next thing we go is okay god we need to get right in the middle of this and then you know like i'm saying we well, gotta know jesus well and you're going well i don't i don't no, I can't read very well. Every time I read the Bible, it's hard to understand. I need someone else to explain it to me. And it's going, ah, there it is again. That's what comes yeah. up. There's all those excuses. Yeah. So let me highlight the same guys who probably were dyslexic, probably didn't have any education, filthy mouth, bad history. I mean, Peter's that dude. Yeah. And John's just a, a kid, right? Yeah. So, and, and what we know, so just a historical context, like they both flunked out of like Jewish boy school. Yeah. Right? So that whole idea would be that if you're a Jew, you would have gone through Hebrew school. Yeah. And the rabbis would about fifth grade maybe picked out the ones who are really good to go, hey, you should join this. Right. And the rest of you go find the trade. Right. Right. And so these guys would have been outcasts. They're the failures, yeah. Yeah. right? Like they didn't make it. Yeah. They were not the picked. parents were disappointed. Yeah. Like, great. We're well, not going to have a rabbi in our family. <laughs> you know? So yeah, so that's exactly right. So, and so when the next thing you see when they stand, up before these people and the response of these religious people who are well-educated. Who, who were the A-class, right? That's right. They were the ones No, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is really, really important in, in terms of when you see class systems. When you see people that didn't go through the same thing, have the same education as you, start to rise up, Yeah. 
it frustrates you. We see it in church denominations. We see it in ordination processes. We see it in um, in in workplace environments where yep. those people who did that in a different way than you did it didn't follow the same rules, didn't do it the same way. We don't like it. And we don't say it out loud, but it scares us. Hmm. It scares us that someone has that kind of spirit in them or hmm. that kind of charisma in them or that kind of a leadership ability. ability them, yeah. And it scares us. Yeah. And so when you see this, this is much more than just, oh, they're untrained ordinary. These are the folks that are the exact opposite of the guys in charge. And they're going, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-oh, we don't have that. Well, wait, we have all this. We have all the buildings. We have all the real estate. We have all the... You know, all the, the keys to the pulpits and the doctrine. We have all that stuff. Uh-oh, these guys have none of that stuff. So, as a, you know, as a theologian, I, I kind of fall reformed. Definitely talk about providence. I see God at work and everything and, you know, and bending and shaping all things for our good, his glory. And I see all those things. And, you know, even when it comes to the choice, I kind of land in a place of, yep, I get my own soul freedom and choice. But I'll tell you, left to my own uh, devices, I'll end up in my own demise, right? right like right. You know, the only choice I really have is to screw things up, right? That's just that's just right. the reality of the thing, and so that's where I fall, which is different than you know these hard you know you know soul freedom folks who believe they can make the right choice, all that kind of stuff. And so you got these, you got John Calvin one, you got John Wesley, and Wesley falls more in what's called Arminian, this soul freedom category. But one of the greatest moves of the gospel was when John Wesley got in the middle of church planning in the nation, like in this place, in, in, in the U.S., right? And the reason being is, I mean, one of his quotes is, I don't care about their education. I don't care about right. their polity. I don't care about their pedigree. Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but the Lord, and we'll start a revival. Right. And guess what? They did. Yeah. Right? And so you see those kind of movements. And so it. We seem to hold up the wrong esteem, yeah. not they've been with the Lord, right? right so right. that big excuse of, well, it can't be me. It must be the pastor. It must be the one who's trained in it. it must be those things. It's like, actually, throughout human history, it seems to be, yeah. like, even look at Martin Luther King, right? Some people took shots at his theology. Like, maybe he didn't have the greatest theology. Well, it's because white schools wouldn't let him into their seminaries, <laughs> right? And so— right. You, you see a guy who had to go to second or third place places. You see even how Lincoln University was started. It was because Princeton denied a, an, an African-American former slave or an African-American kid, right. John Amos, from getting into their school. So they go, we got to start a school here. Yeah. And so you just see these movements that happen in those things. And so it's typically in that way. So when you see these guys respond and go, uh-oh, there's two things to notice. Okay, there's some fear at the top because this is messing with their pedigree right. and their right. righteousness and their control and their power. But there's also something here that we gotta gotta take away and go, well, if they don't have excuses, yeah. then what's our excuse? Right, right. Right. I mean, you have the whole internet. You don't you like you have the Bible in your pocket. Right. At any right. time. <laughs> hey Siri, what does God say about grace? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. have none of that stuff. And so why are we to say we can't participate in the kingdom in that way? Right. That, that'd be the, the step one, repent. Step two, let's throw away the excuses. Um, then step three, and I love this part. They respond with the unschooled part, but then they kind of qualify. Well, that's so important. And they knew they had been with Jesus. Yeah. So that is the piece that I'm just begging the Lord to do in me and you and all of us, yeah. right? Like that's the solution to this. Like we don't know what to offer people because we haven't been with Jesus, like yeah. really been with Jesus, which is why I'm talking to Pastor Gary about working on some online classes for you to go to on spiritual disciplines. Why our yeah. next next sermon series will be a long like a long time a year to a year and a half where we're just going to work through the gospel right now i think it's the gospel of luke yeah. week by week where we just look at who jesus is and spend some time learning by him and loving him and knowing his heart so that yeah. we can actually come away going 
we've been with Jesus. And so that would be the, the third piece of that, which is, okay, we got we to gotta actually be with Jesus. Yeah. I don't remember the fourth point. Uh, the fourth one was uh, kind of deciding which is right, pleasing God or pleasing mm. man. Yeah, so then, then he responds with this really good thing of going, hey, after all that, couldn't you just be logical for a second? Now, right. now that you've been with Jesus, how about you use that brain he gave you, which is, is it really the Republicans that you're scared of? Hmm. Is it really the Democrats? Is it really your boss? Yeah. Is it really your ex? Is it really the people who know about your history or your baggage? Is it really yeah. those people? Like, is that what you're afraid of? Is it really that you think your kid will laugh at you for wanting to pray before a meal? Like, really, that's what we're afraid of at this point? And they're going to go, well, yeah. dad never did that before. So... Really? That's yeah. that's what we're afraid of here? To be leaning and go, nope, I am accountable to the living God, yeah. the God of the universe. And why in the world would I not be obedient right. to him? That is kind of like logically, okay, now finally after all these steps, why don't you bring some logic into it? Don't start with the logic. Just bring yeah. some logic into it and go, yeah, it's pretty backwards what I'm afraid of. Yeah. I feel like even your steps, yeah. step one, repent. Like for me, as I spend time with the Lord, I'm convicted of the areas that I need to repent yeah. in. So like I recognize that I do it wrong by pausing and really reflecting on what God has for me. And if I'm walking in that or being obedient to it. So it's, I just feel like, and you know, 4.13 was, is maybe even one of my life verses. Just when they saw the courage of uh, James oh. and John, they realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men and that they had been with Jesus. And I remember studying it. It's been a long time, so I maybe have, maybe my recollection isn't mm-hmm. all that great, but uneducated, like the word that they use there is basically idiots. Mm, like, yeah. And it's not an insult, like you're an idiot, but just yeah, they're normal people that have no education. So they're just simple folk. And yeah. I just... I remember reading that when I was young, and this is before I went to to school because I didn't really feel like God was calling me to a traditional Bible college and went to a very small Bible college. Um, And I just remember going, man, if God can take like any any idiot (laughs) and use them for his glory if we've spent time with him. I remember just as I was going into ministry, that was kind of my thought of Acts 4.13 going, man— if I can spend time with Jesus, yeah. then I have all the qualifications that I need to be a minister of the gospel. Um, and and I'm not trying to take away from the academic side. Yeah. I think that that is a huge growing point within our lives, mm-hmm. a, the spiritual practice of getting into God's word and learning and growing in that, not just from what you believe, but from believers that have gone before to be able to interpret the Bible, all important. But I think what you're saying is exactly it. Spending time and being with Jesus, that is what qualifies you to be a minister of the gospel. Yeah, and you know, there, you know, some some pastors call seminary cemetery, you know, kind of funny. And I was in that camp for a long time because if you don't know, I I didn't finish. I didn't even, I I dropped out of college, got a job at a bank, and then became a youth pastor without finishing my degree. And so, um, I, I, I finished my degree when we found out we were having bricks. I thought, okay, I probably should go back. And so I went to Liberty. And so I was 28. Hmm. I had already planted a church with no education, <laughs> right? And so there is a benefit of going, I actually want to learn the scriptures better. And there's some accountability yeah. that comes with it. But, you know, can't leave for the last, you know, basically a decade I've been in school. And there is a piousness and an arrogance yeah. that starts to appear. Yeah, You know, even in my own heart of going, I had some pride that I proud of myself for progressing so long and there is just something about the simplicity of going nope i know jesus i know who he is right. and i kind of miss some of that in me mm-hmm. like the shrug of my shoulders and going ah oh, god I'm, i don't know let me pray you know like yeah. i don't know let's just ask god you know yeah. and and so i certainly hope that's 
part of our culture here that yeah. we don't we don't have different standards and different yeah, hierarchies right. of these people are they know better and it's like these are ordinary unschooled men that won qualifiers they've been with Jesus. So yeah. how do we how do we help people do that? And a lot of that candidly is your own responsibility. Yeah, you know, like how do you right. carve out some time to do it and stumble through it? Just yeah. stumble through it. Yeah, Just sit right. still with God and go, I'd like to be with you right now. I'm going to open up the book of John and read about your life. And I'm certainly hoping you share with me who you are. And yeah. could, could, would you please do that, God? And yeah. little by little, day by day, that happens, right? I tell you all the time. No one growing up says, when I grow up, I want to sell crack cocaine on a right. street corner to little kids, you know? But people do that. Well, how does that happen? Little by little, day by day, right. we become who we're becoming, right? And so just would stumble through it, I yeah. think. Just stumble through it. I think yeah. that's great yeah. advice because I feel like, as I'm sure that you have examples of times where you could look back yeah. in your life where it's like, well, that was really awkward, but it was also something that God used to grow yeah. you. Like, I remember reading a book on evangelism and like feeling like God was calling me to the Lincoln University and I was going to go like talk to a million people about Jesus. And I went and I sat on a bench for like two hours mm. and then ended up leaving. I don't think I had a single conversation with anybody. And I just, remember, you just seemed like a real creeper. Yeah. I just sat there. <laughs> like I just, in hindsight, it's like, man, that was really awkward. But I think it was even that step of being yeah. obedient yeah. and going, okay, I feel like God's calling me to do that. That didn't quite go how I thought it was. Yeah. I thought God was going to bring a couple people to me that we were going to yeah. share share the gospel with but that didn't quite happen but it was in those small steps yeah i think it it trained me to start trying to tune into what the holy spirit would have for me and to be honest i don't think i always do a great job at that even now like i think that i can depending on my margin and if i've spent time with jesus i can be like okay i've got to do this or this and so i think it's in those small steps in those figuring it out in that stumbling through it man that there is exponential growth in that as long as you keep going for it like keep Keep after it. Spend time with Jesus. It might feel awkward. It might feel difficult. You might feel like you don't have time for it. But I I promise you that it will be beneficial to work through that, even if it's stumbling through it. And one day you'll be able to look back and go, wow, man, God has really grown me in my life. And I guess it was through all those awkward experiences. Yeah, yeah the same advice I'd give to you if your marriage is struggling is I'd just say keep showing up. Yeah. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up, even when it's awkward. I was reading uh, a story about Andy Stanley and Charles Stanley. Andy, pastor, dad, they had a kind of a riff. Dad goes through a divorce, and there's a, a real silent period. And someone asked Sandy, okay, well, what, what, what resolved that? And he said, my dad kept showing up for breakfast every single week. Mm. Sometimes I'd just look at him and stare, and he would just continue to try to have conversation with me, and I wasn't ready. But every single week he kept showing up mm. until slowly that it started to go. If that's the advice we have in, you know, relationship and reconciliation yeah. i just would offer the same thing just keep showing up and acknowledge the awkwardness of it just yeah. keep showing up and stumbling through it he is there he is present and he wants to be with you and so i just would say don't have to get it all right just keep showing up yeah just keep showing up it's good so well i we're pretty much out of time is there anything else that you wanted to add kind of in, in as we close or wrap up hmm. yeah there is um i don't have it right in front of me but i would ask if if you're a part of our church family one way that I'd love for you to show up over the next, let's see if I have Bible here. Um, anyway, um, over the next several uh, uh, days before next Sunday is there's that beautiful prayer um, that Peter prayed with his disciples, uh, and, uh, all of them there with Jesus' disciples, uh, and quotes David and just like nations raging and all those different things. And 
just want to invite you to the end of uh, twenty six. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So right there, um, and uh, it starts in verse twenty four. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Two things I'd point out there. One, it says the response was prayer, but they did it together. Mm. And so we are apart. But one of the things I'd ask for you to do is just kind of read verses four twenty four through. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, verses four twenty four through thirty, and just be praying that same prayer for our church. That uh, would you enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So would we be praying that prayer together, the sovereign God? So, got nothing else to read. Just camp there all week long and go. I'm gonna keep showing up. And would you just ask God the same prayer that Peter asked for the church two thousand years ago in the middle of a mass, that David asked hundreds of years before that, in the middle of a mass, could we just join with these saints in declaring God's goodness? And when we ask for his boldness, when we ask that he'd stretch out his hands for healing in the great name of Jesus. And so that would be what I'd invite us to do over awesome. the next week. Awesome. Well, that is kind of officially all the time that we have. We want to thank you guys for joining us, whether you're watching us live or checking us out over a podcast or through Spotify. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. We'd love for you to be part of the conversation, whether that's questions regarding the messages that we've done or message that we will do this coming weekend, or even just general questions you have for us. We'd love to be able to hear from you in that Uh, Thank you for spending some time with us, and we hope that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. And we'll be just as sweaty next week. Yep. (laughs) Have a good day. See you.